Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Dave Jenkinson continues our series of messages on the book of Acts. Today, looking at Acts chapter 13. And now, here's Dave. Thank you again for taking that time to breathe that prayer of invitation as we begin our service today, that last hymn was indeed our prayer, that the Word of God may be our life. Even the history sections, by the way, and we've been going through the book of Acts, and it really tells us where we came from. And praise God that uh, the book of Acts was written by Brother Luke. If we had not had that book, it would seem a strange transition from what Jesus was saying to what Paul would be writing in most of the New Testament. And the book of Acts gives us that transition. It shows us what actually took place. Uh, The first 12 chapters, we call that the effort of God to work right there with the church at Jerusalem. And I've said before, but I think it bears repeating, that the stone was thrown into the pond, and that stone was none other than the Lord Jesus. He is the rock which we cling to. And as he died upon the cross, he cried out, It is finished. In other words, the the case is closed. The plan is done. God's kingdom is forever and ever. He satisfied the requirements of the law. He satisfied all sin's requirements. Every sin, your past sins, and we were thinking this morning of all of what we were, our present sins, and yes, if you haven't sinned this week, put a hand up. I see no hands. Okay. Um, And our future sins, we don't want to sin. Our heart is longing to please our Master. But we have feet of clay. We are still in these unredeemed bodies. They're better. There's no question about it. Having Christ in our flesh, in us, dwelling in us, is amazing. But it's still not full redemption. We're looking forward to that day. And so, the pond has the ripple effect. And those ripples go out. So, Jerusalem was the first place of the gospel. And Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the... Lord Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say, please be my witnesses. He didn't say, I implore you to be my witnesses. He said, you're going to be witnesses. <laughs> and have you ever had that happen? Where you're in a situation and you had no thought of witnessing and talking about Jesus to someone. And all of a sudden, poof, you're there. And that person is asking you questions about the Lord Jesus. And you're realizing that this is your time to share the good news of Jesus. And the ripple moves out from Jerusalem into Samaria. In Acts chapter 8, we have that wonderful passage of both conflict. We have uh, that gentleman who was a false prophet there in Acts chapter 8. But the gospel was going forth. So as the gospel goes forth, so does the false gospel. You ever notice that? Satan is right on the footsteps of every time you're witnessing. Every time you're sharing your faith. There's somebody else that's telling the person you've been talking to, that ain't so. 
You can't get to heaven by doing nothing. That's what the world says. You can't get to heaven by doing nothing. You've got to get out there and climb that ladder. You've got to get doing some good works. And the whole world is confused. Really, it's, it's a confusion. I, I totally believe that there's been a blind deception on the whole world. And they're still trying to pull themselves up. One day, many years ago now, <laughs> I was at the bottom of a mining ladder. We were on a tour to one of the local mines. And the gentleman who was giving us the tour said, Now, in an emergency, this is our escape. And we started to look up, and as our lamps pushed up, we could see how the ladder just kept on going. And I, somebody said, how many thousand, how many rungs do you have to, to go? And, and he said, oh, it's, it's, we're, we're thousands of feet below the earth here. And so you're going to have to walk, oh, it'll probably take you about three, four hours, uh, give or take. And there's no rungs behind you, so you better not drop because it's going to be a nasty fall. The challenge of those who believe and teach that you get to heaven by good works is it's always a nasty fall. Because the ladder is endless. You cannot do enough. All our works, all our works are as filthy rags. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so the pebble has caused the ripple to go to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and move out to the Romans who were living there like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 and move out again as persecution happens. And now we have Paul's First missionary journey. It's really uh, amazing as we look at this passage. Let's see if we can get this thing to work for us. Uh, oh, there you go. Um, so Acts chapter 13 verses 2 and 3 says that as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then having fasted, they laid hands on them and they sent them out. Wow. Having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. Wonderful thought that here it is. The Holy Spirit has called them into missionary work. Now, who are these people? Paul and Barnabas had already been serving the Lord for at least eight years. They were no novices when you look at Acts 13 and say, oh, well, there's five people there. They're all ministering. They're all serving. There's uh, prophets. There's um, Barnabas and Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Amanium, who had been brought up with Herod the Tector. What a cosmopolitan group. And Saul, the ex-persecutor. Wow. And that's a picture in the nutshell of what the Church of Jesus Christ is all about. There are no her heritage rites. My mother was a Christian. My father was a Christian. No, that doesn't work in the family of God. You need to be born again. I need to be born again. We all need to individually embrace Jesus as our Savior. These people did not have any Levitical rites. These were prophets of the church and teachers of the church. And they went forth as the Holy Spirit called them. Notice that they fasted. I've tried to developed this message in chapter 13 under six F's. They fasted. I know people who fast, and it's entirely dietary. I want to lose weight. If you want to lose weight, stop eating. That's a simple rule of diet. 
And they fast for that reason. But this is not a, this is not a, a dietary fast so that one might lose a few extra pounds. This is about getting close to the Lord, abstaining so that one can have that extra time to seek the Lord while he may be found. And they fasted and they prayed. And it says the Holy Spirit sent them out. It doesn't say that some committee down in Toronto sent them out. It doesn't say that even the local elders sent them out. It was the Holy Spirit who sent them. Individual autonomy is really critical in the church of God. And so it is that Saul and Barnabas move forward, sent out by the Holy Spirit, convinced, and they go to Seleucia and sail to Cyprus. The first part of the journey was now moving out to Cyprus. And as we move out, we have uh, some verses that are not supposed to be there. (laughs) Okay, those verses should be already. I'm going the wrong way. Technology is good there. Technology is excellent, but you have to have a good technician, too. (laughs) So they'd gone to the island of Paphos, and they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. An intelligent man. And this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name was translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from faith. The second F in our series, not only fasting, but also false teachers. You know there are false teachers even today. They abound. The internet is full of false teachers proclaiming that if you will but support them financially, you will be blessed. And if you adopt their prophetic teaching, whatever it may be, you can be sure that you're going to escape the things to come. Well, there's going to be a rude awakening for many of these false teachers. For they who are false before God will have their, have their baskets full of judgment. And so it is that this false teacher speaks against the gospel of Jesus Christ. This false prophet, whose name was Bar, that is, son of Jesus. So he was claiming to be Jesus' son. And so he had a cloak of identity with the Christians. He came in amongst them. He professed to be one of them. And it was that they dealt with this false teacher. The proconsul wanted to hear the word of God. He invited Barnabas and Saul to come to him and hear the word of God. Have you heard the word of God this morning already? Have you taken a quiet time to hear God's voice to you? Have you, I see a few heads nodding, and that's the nodding in affirmation. They're not falling asleep, so that's good. Um, that's, That's good. I hope and pray that each one of us has a time either morning or night to spend time alone with the Lord and with his word. For it is with his word. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to the path. It's not a spotlight, by the way. It doesn't shine like miles down the road, but it's right there at your feet when you need it. The word of God is there for you right now. 
So please continue to draw heavily on God's word. Hear the word of God. But he was withstood and wanted to, pro- to turn the pro-council away from the faith. And that often happens. There are many today that are out in our families, among our people, that really are seekers of Jesus, and they are seeking to turn people away. And so it is, this Jesus was being preached to the pro-council. By the way, a pro-council is an interesting role. Historically speaking, there were, there were uh, two regions that were controlled by Rome. There were those who were controlled by the legates or the legions. In other words, the areas that were still under control of soldiers. And the legates were appointed by the emperor to control those regions. And then there were the Senate regions, which once there was peace established in those regions, they would appoint by the Roman Senate a pro-council, an independent non-soldier who would deal with issues. And so this pro-council, Sergius Paulus, a Roman, hears the word. And what is it we discover that happens after Elamis, the false prophet, seeks to turn him away? It says that Paul supernaturally... Now, some of you might say, that's a nasty thing to do. Paul, you just made the man blind. But that's what he does. And he does it, but Luke is very careful. Paul being full of the Holy Spirit. He makes it clear this was an act of God that had taken place here. And he says, oh, you full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, cease perverting the straight way. When will you cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And the hand of the Lord is upon you. You shall be blind. And immediately a dark mist fell upon him. Do you catch that verse 20? Uh, verse 12, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching. That was what convinced him. The miracle of this person's judgment caused Sergius Paulus, a seeker of the truth, to be one who would actually become a believer. The first missionary convert was the, entire, the governor, we might use the term today, the governor of the island. That's pretty powerful. When you have the governor converting to Jesus and the word of God. And that was an amazing miracle even there. Every person, regardless of their status, is an amazing miracle when they trust Jesus Christ. But here, the Lord is establishing a pattern. He's going after those in authority and he's going after those who have influence. And that happens, by the way, all through Uh, the teaching of Acts. You'll notice that next the party sails from Paphos, verses 13, to Perga and Pamphylia, and they came to Antioch. And they came to Antioch, and there Paul, being invited by the local synagogue, he stands up, motioning with his hands, and says, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of Israel chose our fathers, exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt with an upright arm and he brought them out of it. Isn't it wonderful that Paul, as he takes the start of his sermon before the Jewish people in this synagogue, 
He begins by saying, and by the way, this was in Antioch, Pisidia. It's another Antioch. Don't confuse that from the Antioch that Paul had come from in Syria. So just like there are several Londons and many Yorks, uh, so too there were even in the early days many different cities named the same name. And so as he addresses the people, he says, you who fear God, the third F. Fearing God is the point of reference for us to witness. We are wasting our time going to someone who does not have a fear of the Lord. So when we are witnessing to someone, unless they come to a point where they have that fear of God, that fear of death, that fear of meeting the eternal maker with no defense, no offer, that person, if they despise the word of the Lord, they are outside of all hope. He goes to those who are fearful and he says to them, here's the point. God has been in the redeeming business. Think of where you came from. You were slaves, for crying out loud. You were sitting there in chains doing all that was the master's bidding in Egypt. And then I delivered you. You didn't deliver yourself. I used Moses, your, your, your servant, I used him, but I was the one. God alone delivered you. I took you out. I redeemed you. The blood kept the angel from, of death from your house. But every one of the Egyptians lost their firstborn. You have been redeemed by me. Now think about this. I have a picture. The redemption of the world. The world needs redemption, not just the nation of Israel. And the world needs it through the one great Savior, the one great sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus. And when he hung upon that cross, arms outstretched, he said, I love you. He called out to the entire world. It is done. My death is sufficient. It is finished. My favorite three words in the scripture, because you can't add anything that table down there that we have the communion cups on. It's beautifully finished. And can you imagine if I got down there with sandpaper? I'm going to finish this tape. No, it's already done. You don't need to touch it. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is a completed work. And we are complete in him as Colossians teaches us. Do you fear the Lord? For those of you who might be listening online, do you have an awesome fear of God? Is death a fearful thing? Then call upon the Lord while he may be found. Let's move quickly to the other F's. See if we can move them along here. In verses 22, it says that as he's going along in his message, he talks about the history of the Jewish people. He mentions Saul and then he comes to the family of David. And he says of David, when he had removed Saul, he raised him up, David as king, and gave him this testimony. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And that's what he's looking for today. Men and women after God's heart. But you say, my heart is not like God's. I have a heart that is prone to wander, Lord. I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Ah, you need to get closer to him. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And so David knew what it was to have that renewal of heart. And so can you and I. 
And then there was the fulfillment of scriptures. He goes into a long stretch in his sermon. Boy, it's, it's a real long stretch. It goes from verses 20 all the way through to the, almost the end. And he continually refers to verses that prove Jesus is the Messiah. He quotes Psalm 2-7, You are my son, today have I begotten you. And he quotes the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. I will give you the sure mercies of David. Why is he saying that is the power of the resurrection? Why? Because in Psalm 16.10, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. And he looks at it and he says, David's body was corrupted. He was talking of someone future. The son of David. The one who would come. The one who three days later rose and says, look, my hands and my feet. See, an angel, a spirit does not have flesh like I have. He is alive. And the message of the Christian, the message of the gospel is that Jesus not only is alive, but he's coming back and he's coming back soon. Are you ready for him? Are you ready for him? Are you looking forward to seeing him? The fulfillment of scriptures. But finally, in verses 13, chapter 13, 38 and 39, the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, be it known to you, brethren, through this man is preached to you forgiveness of sins. The whole world is seeking to solve the problem of sin. Psychiatrists and psychologists spend hours dealing with people, trying to help them to resolve and reach a freedom from guilt over sin. Addictions, basically sin. And the list is long. But Jesus is able to give peace and forgiveness of sin. The law stands to condemn you, as Paul would say. The law, Moses said, do this and you will live. And guess what? Nobody does the law. We can't do the law. But we can receive Jesus. In quiet, gentle silence, come to Jesus now. And this sermon that was preached to Antioch, Pisidia, the people of that day in that synagogue, is being preached to you today. Jesus is still giving forgiveness. And he wants to be a total forgiveness. And it's about sin. It's not about having a better psychology. It's not about having a better psychology. It's not about having a better attitude. It's about having salvation. The day will come when each one of us will stand and we will be on this side of eternity, but knowing full well that in a very short few seconds, we're going to be ushered into eternity. We're going to be ushered into God's presence. We don't need to wait to find out that we are ready. We can find out now. Jesus said to his children, his followers, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And he said to them that they could know him, know him, know God. And this is eternal life, that they might know God and Jesus Christ, whom you have. That's a bold assertion. If you're not Jesus, if you're Jesus and you're saying that, you have to be God. And he offers the power and the joy that goes with it. Forgiveness of sins. Do you have his forgiveness? This offer is being made to you just as it was made in the past. Take him at his word. His word 
is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And in his word, you find Jesus. You find life. I love how in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, as he was traveling away from Jerusalem, so discouraged, I am positive, he was in a fit of discouragement. He had bought the, the gospel of Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet. He's looking for help. He probably was refused entrance at the Jerusalem temple because of his condition. And he's looking for God. And just so happens that there's Philip, that the Spirit of God says, go, run to that man. And he runs up and says to him, what are you reading? Do you understand what you read? How can I understand except what someone guide me? And it says that Luke records this. He reads what he says. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And he says that he preached Jesus to him. Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus. The Word of God, Old Testament and New, is all about Jesus. May we be followers of him. May we be servants of him. May we be in his family. May God bless you as you move forward. And we'll ask Bruce to close in prayer, if he would, please. Let's pray. Father, we do worship your holy name. We worship your presence. We worship the fact that the Spirit of God speaks through your intent and your purpose and your plan, reveals the person of Jesus Christ in whom that we can draw close to, in whom that we could sense freedom from sin, the forgiveness of guilt, the place of hope, an invitation to righteousness. Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. We thank you for being in this place with us, for abiding with us. And as we part, we pray that you would give us the strength, give us the intent, the determination this week to abide in you. As was said, abiding in your word daily, seeking your face, Seeking, Lord, the intimacy of being close to Jesus. We praise you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.